Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Social Contract, a Commander podcast. I'm Mike Almond, and joining me is my co-host, Alex Lapp. Alex, what's up, man? Not too much, Mike. And today, we have a nice, easy, lighthearted episode. We're going to talk about some of our favorite mechanics from throughout Magic's history. Yeah, it's almost like there's a ton of keywords and mechanics and things that you should be paying attention to. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of complicated rules and magic and how they synergize and the stack and how it are. You know what? No, we're not going to do any of that. We're going to talk about our favorite mechanics as a social contract podcast. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited to talk about some of these because they're not very well known as far as on a wide variety of cards, with the exception of one, um, and I'd frankly like to see them more often. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know if I'd go with well-known, Mike, because I think a lot of people know about these mechanics, but you're right. I think they're underrepresented. There they, we go. they aren't showing up on the number of cards. Like One of our uh, ability words that we're going to talk about in the episode here, we remarked that there's really only one card that has it, yeah. And then a few other cards that are not even playable. Um, so that's just a shame because some of these are really fun, Mike. Yeah. And you see, you're not on the podcast because you're a judge. You're not on the podcast because of your magic no. knowledge. You're on the podcast because you have a very, very good way about taking the words that I'm saying and then turn them into different words that sound better. So I appreciate that. <laughs> um, and that's why you're my favorite. And speaking of favorite, let's just jump right into it. Uh, why don't you talk about our first mechanic here? Because I think it is definitely the most widespread of all of the ones we're going to talk about today. Oh, yeah, Mike. This is a this is a very famous mechanic. And recently, there was a card that broke this mechanic wide open when it was combined with another mechanic. I'm talking about Convoke. Mm-hmm. Um, now, reading the rules text that governs Convoke, it's a static ability that functions while the spell with Convoke is on the stack. So Convoke means for each colored mana pip in this spell's total cost, you may tap an untapped creature of that color you control rather than pay that mana. And you can also do the same thing for generic mana, and it doesn't matter what color that creature is. So once you're done activating mana abilities, you can say, oh, well, I have these creatures... I can just tap them down. And what's very important is because this is a tap cost on another effect that uses TAP and not the tap symbol, uh, you can convoke with creatures that have just entered the battlefield under your control or you've just gained control. So basically convoke is a static ability that says once you're done activating mana abilities to pay for the cost of a spell, uh, you can then tap additional creatures you control to pay colored mana or generic mana costs. And the best part about that is that since it uses the word TAP and not the symbol for tap, you can actually do that to creatures that have just ETB'd under your control or that you've just gained control of. You can tap them for Convoke right away, which makes this a very useful mana discounting system. Let's talk about some of these Convoke cards, Mike. Okay, yeah. So let's go ahead and start with Court of Calling because it's, I mean, let's be honest, it's the most infamous one as far as I'm concerned, when you're talking oh, yeah. about Convoke. This uh, thing's ridiculous. Absolutely. Uh, it's three green and X for an instant with Convoke, obviously. Uh, search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost X or less and put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Wow. Alex, I, I feel like search your library for a thing and put it onto the battlefield is a really, really good effect in our format. What do you it think? Is, Mike. This is... This is what Green Sun Zenith should have been. Yeah. Because this is this is the the X and triple green spell that everyone likes to play. And that's because you can get anything you want with it, and your creatures can help you cast a spell. Mm-hmm. One of the uh one of the, the favorite things for people to do, right, is to tap down a few mana dorks and go get another mana dork. Mm-hmm. Or Go get a Dryad Arbor if you have a lot of money, right? Sure. And, uh, or go grab any zero-drop creature, um, but Dryad Arbor in particular. And and this is just a fantastic spell. An instant speed, 
You can hold up interaction. You can use this for anything. You can go all the way into the end game. You can use this to win the game if you want. Um, it's just very flexible. It's very powerful. And Convoke allows it to be cast potentially for free or heavily discounted. I mean, the idea of, hey, here's another thing to find Crater Hoof. Uh, here's another yeah. thing to find Seedborn Muse. And, hey, great, all this stuff that you tapped is going to come untapped right after And this is done. especially great for a deck that has lower mana value creatures mm-hmm. with more intensive additional costs. There are some decks that build in that way. Um Lazab decks, but that doesn't run green. But the lower the mana value and the higher the value on the card, the better this card becomes. For sure. And there are quite a few creatures that penalize you with the additional cost, like as an additional cost to cast a spell, sacrifice a creature. Well, you're putting it out of the battlefield, so you get to ignore that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about a not anywhere near as relevant in EDH, but extremely relevant in some other formats, uh, and it needed to get banned because of Convoke. Like, this is a Hogak Arisen Necropolis. Yeah. For five Golgari Golgari. It's a legendary creature avatar. You can't spend mana to cast this spell. It has Convoke and Delve, and you may cast Hogak from your graveyard. It's an 8-8 with Trample. Um, In EDH, this really just was not even on the radar, because this is a a body for beating in with, right? Yeah. You wouldn't run this as your commander, probably because it's that's really boring for EDH, right? Like, if you want a big body in the command zone, you can probably also get value on it. This was for competitive formats. It was printed in Modern Horizons. It was designed for Modern, and it turned out to be too strong for Modern. They had to ban it. Mm-hmm. Um, so in Modern, this is great, and in EDH, <laughs> not really so much. So that really goes to show, like, some of these cards are great in every format. Some are only good in EDH. And some are only good in other formats, but Convoke makes cards good because it makes them cost little to nothing. Let's talk about my favorite card with Convoke in the entire game. That's Hour of Reckoning. This is my favorite board wipe, I think. I don't think I have a more favorite board wipe than this. Four triple white for a sorcery. Convoke, destroy all non-token creatures. Mike, I cast this spell mid-game for zero every single time. Zero (laughs) mana board wipe asymmetric it blows up everyone else's stuff and i'm running all tokens so it doesn't hit me sure this is a nasty board wet mic oh absolutely and especially since even if you're in a absolute bind and it's oh well i'm gonna lose some of my not you know i'm gonna lose some of my non-token creatures as well well you were gonna lose them anyway so tapping them four mana to be able to cast the spell is always a nice little benefit mm-hmm. I mean, we talk all the time about uh, seven mana for a board wipe. We don't like that. But this is never a seven mana board wipe. <laughs> never. This, this is, is a like Blasphemous tap stuff. Act. Yeah. Where you've got, you've got the power on board, the number of creatures on board. You're casting it for a single red mana. It's just like this. You're casting this for a very small, if not zero, amount of mana. And mm-hmm. you're double dipping because you're running this in a white token deck. It's not blowing up your tokens. So tremendous amount of value for a seven mana white sorcery. You don't usually see this amount of value, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, and here's the thing. I, you know, you, you mentioned that it's your favorite Convoke card. I I've, I, I so, want to yeah. talk about mine. Um, Let's hear it. Because Convoke is something that I we've alluded to it, but just to stay it outright, it goes really, really, real, really well with tokens. Uh, it does. Because, it works great with tokens. Yeah, and one of my favorite cards because of that is March of the Multitudes. I it's love a, this card, Mike. It's such a good card. Uh, so green, good. white, white, and X for an instant with Convoke. That says create X one one white soldier creature tokens with lifelink. So this is just a three mana tap all my stuff, double the amount of tokens that I have, or get much more depending on what my land situation is. Um, I I like I said I I I ran an Amara deck at one point, and this was my favorite card in that deck because it just turned into well here we go. I'm gonna. I've got a <laughs> fairly large army, but now I would like uh like several battalions worth of tokens, please. And to get lifelink tokens out of that is is just crazy. I've always loved this card. Convoke is a really cool mechanic. Absolutely, Mike. I've probably won the game with this card like ten times. Oh sure. This card is <laughs> the fact that it's an instant, so you can just bind your time. Yes. And then tap down your entire board. And all of your mana and just make 
a arbitrarily large number of tokens, at least two digits, maybe three, mm-hmm. and completely bowl over because they've pseudo haste. You did it on your uh, opponent's end step, and now you untap all of your stuff and swing in for an absurd amount of damage, ending the game most likely. Oh Mike, sure, this is such a lovely spell. Good pick on this one. And even even in the worst case scenario, like we always like to talk about, especially me, I totally Magical understand. Magical Christmas like, land, yeah. The battle cruiser magic. Bitch. We love we doing make... that. I want to cast this for right. X equals fifty. But like worst case scenario, say you cast March of the Multitudes for seven. Okay, great. That's, that's so funny. seven. Mana. That's yeah. seven one ones, and yeah. they have lifelink. Like that's a good. The lifelink little... is good. Yeah, it's it... it's so silly. We we talked about this on. Um one of our recent episodes where I picked mm-hmm. a Titanic ultimatum, which is yes. this pump effect that it gives you lifelink and trample and plus five, plus five and first strike and just all this nonsense. Mm-hmm. Um, it could really start to feel like win more, but lifelink is good. I think that even if you get fogged or something bad happens on that combat step, it's really good to just have that, have, yeah. have them have lifelink. And this is not an, often case scenario but people like to talk about it a lot it hasn't happened to me very much Rakdos charm is a mode uh each creature an opponent controls deals one damage to that uh to -hmm. its controller if they have lifelink and that case then you net zero life yep so instead of losing the game to a Rakdos charm now you're completely immune to it because all of your tokens that you just made have lifelink life gain decks not not the most powerful lifelink very useful lifelink Uh. is just general useful yeah so I'll tell you what, uh, do we want to keep going and convoke here, or do we want to talk about our next uh, mechanic? I have one last one. This one's sure. a little janky, but I like it. Oh, um, no, no, janky on ours? Yeah. No, 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 thank you. Ah. Sprout Swarm, one in a green for an yeah. instant. Convoke and buyback three. Create a 1-1 one, one green Sapperling creature token. Buyback says you may pay an additional three as you cast the spell. If you do, it goes back to your hand when it resolves instead of the graveyard. So... So for four and a green, or by tapping four creatures of any color and at least one green creature, you can make a token and then bounce the spell back to your hand. So if you ever have a lot of extra mana in your green deck, when would that ever happen? Too much mana in my green deck? You can spend five mana and just make a token. And it's not that easy to interact with. Who's going to counterspell this, Mike? Like, really? Are they going to counterspell this? (laughs) If they do, they just blow a counterspell and now you can cast Court of Calling or something, right? Sure. Sure, it's it seems it seems so it's a small. common, and but the ability to as as silly as it is, the ability to okay, I'm gonna pay five, and by five I mean tapping whatever I'm tapping to just make another one one, just make another one one, just make another one one. Mike, would you take an emblem that said tap five untapped creatures you control make a one one? Like I'd take that. I mean, I, yeah, sure. <laughs> I, it's. Sprout Swarm is is one of those that it 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 always feels like it's one of the last cards that I end up having to cut. It's always yeah, on that. It's, cut. it's one it's of either, those, right? Yeah. And, and and here's the thing: like I for really a, want to include this, right? And for a common, that's really impressive. So, good card. Yeah, good no call. kidding. This is a common. Like for a common, this is really good. Yep. Oh boy. All right, let's move on. Yeah, let's go ahead and move on, and we're gonna talk about. I, I don't know how much time we're going to spend on this because we just hit it because it's just come out. And that's demonstrate yeah. because holy so cow, you want to talk about an ability or is it an ability? Is it a keyword? What does that qualify as Alex? Yeah. So let's have a little bit of an early judges corner, Mike, the difference yeah. between a keyword and an ability and an ability word. Um, abilities are basically everything that shows up as text on a card. Okay. Either be classified as a static ability, an activated ability, or a triggered ability. Um, pretty much everything is one of those three, and some of those are characteristic defining abilities. We're not really going to go into that, but sure. a keyword ability is formally defined in the rules. It'll have its own rules number and its own entry, um, such that reminder text is uh, usually going to show up if it's not evergreen, which means it's not in a list of words that show up almost every set. Mm-hmm. Um but if that reminder text isn't there, it doesn't strictly need to be because that is always defined as doing exactly this. Um, like how I read out what Convoke does and how I'll read out in a minute what Demonstrate does. Okay. But then we have ability words, which you can recognize those have italics followed by a long dash, 
right? So if you see an ability word with the italics and the dash, that's just a flavor word. Ability words are flavor words. They represent something in the game, but they don't need to work the same way as each other. If you see it on one card, it's not going to be the same as it is on another card. And if it is, it doesn't necessarily need to be that way. And because of that, they don't have their own rules definitions, and all of their rules are always written out completely on every card that they show up. All right. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, so going into that, with Demonstrate, again, something that we just talked about because it's only been in Strixhaven, and it is a cycle that came yeah, out. Go listen to our Strixhaven set review. Yeah, uh, I don't know if that's something where they're going to try and uh, come back to it. I really hope they do. Be- yeah, because, that'd be great. Because the idea of casting a spell, and then as you do so, you can copy it if you let somebody else cast it as well, is really... First of all, the flavor for it, it I'm going to demonstrate this spell, and then you can try it as a school of mages, is... First of all... Uh, you know, uh, I just, never really thought about it. Yeah, that's, it's, that is It's so good. good. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, the ability to work with somebody at the table and get some extra benefit and give away some benefit that shouldn't harm you, always really satisfying. And again, we're not going to hit on it too hard, but I do want to go back to incarnation technique again, just because... A five mana, four black or four generic and a black for a sorcery that says mill five cards, then return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. The ability to do that twice for five mana and let somebody else do it to either say, hey, I'm going to let you do this, but I need you to get this card out of your graveyard or to pick somebody that doesn't have any creatures in their graveyard. It, I love demonstrate. It is a powerful, powerful technique. And I, I really hope that it is something that comes back in the future. Yeah, Mike, I was really pleased with uh, Demonstrate. Not every card had amazing value, but I love sure. this keyword. Absolutely. And you're right. Incarnation Technique, I think, is the best one. Mm-hmm. Four and a black to mill 10, reanimate two, and then donate a reanimation to another player, which, like you just said, you can either hose them or you can say hey, you get that big thing, but don't even at me, or you have to get this thing. You can play this so many ways, and it's it's just good value on a card. And it's not even that bad that it's a sorcery because you're milling 10 and reanimating two. Reanimating two creatures from the graveyard to the battlefield, you know what? It's okay that that's a sorcery. Yeah, um, especially if it's on one card. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so here's the thing. Demonstrate is really powerful if you find a way to work with the other people at the table to try and find the best benefit, literally adhering to the social contract. We're going to talk about our next mechanic here that I'm very upset that there's not more of it, but I also understand why. Let's talk about join forces, Alex. Hooray! Because when we talk about big, splashy magic, how about things that cost one mana and then say by the way would you like to do extra if you can just pay into it everybody it'll be great joined forces is is really really fun it is mike i love joined forces and i think that the main problem with joined forces is not that other people have to pay because other people do like to pay into these they like yeah. the idea of contributing to a pot and then we all get something um I think the main problem with joint forces is that people confuse it with another keyword that we're going to talk about very soon. So mm-hmm. let's get into one of these Alliance of arms for a single white mana. It's a sorcery with joint forces starting with you. Each player may pay any amount of mana. Each player creates X one, one white soldier creature tokens where X is the total amount of mana paid this way. So long story short, everybody contributes mana into the pot and then that number is duplicated across each player. If everyone combined puts in 20, everyone gets 20 apiece. And Mike, the amount of value that can be generated for the table out of this is just phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Especially when you can choose to cast, it is a sorcery, you choose to cast this on your turn when people have mana up, but not so much that it looks like they're planning on using it on something. People Mm -hmm. who are tapped out, obviously they're not going to contribute because they're tapped out. And people who have a ton of mana up are typically going to be, well, I'm doing something later on. I can't afford to donate mana right now. Or if somebody has something up or something specific they're planning on doing. But once in a while, people will leave mana up because they didn't curve out on their turn. And this is great for eating up that spare mana 
and just giving the table a ton of value. And again, we've talked about this in our episodes over and over. Because you have a card like this in your deck, Alliance of Arms, for example, you're in a white token deck. You can take great advantage of those tokens, whereas with everyone else, they're just one ones. With you, maybe they're also value, Mike. Yeah. And I think the main reason that people wouldn't play these cards is they're all sorcery, correct? They are. Uh, well, there actually is one that isn't. There's one that's a creature. Oh, that's right. Um, <laughs> so here's the thing. When when you're doing something like that, the idea of not getting the benefit first that everybody right. else gets because you're giving it to them, some people don't see that as a opportunity. They see that as, oh, no, this is only downside. This is only negative. Why would I ever do that? Well, you know what? Sometimes you need to find an answer. And making tokens is really fun, Alex. I like it. I like the card that you picked. Yeah. But if you want to talk about the biggest draw spell in the game, let's let's go look at Minds Aglow for Mine's one aglow. blue mana and join forces. Starting with you, each player may pay any amount of mana. Each player draws X cards where X is the total amount of mana paid this way. Oh, no. In <laughs> two turns... Or in two uh, two more players, it's going to get back to the arch enemy, and he's going to win the game. Well, how does everybody feel about drawing thirty five cards? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I Minds of Glow is one of those nutty cards that just how big are we going to make it? Let's go! And I love yeah. that kind of stuff. Minds of Glow is so much fun that there does come the phase of a game sometimes, like you said, where where uh, defeat is imminent. Yeah. And the arch enemy has you exactly where they want you. And the only thing that you can do is dig for answers. And Mike, when it's time to dig for answers, you could do a lot worse than casting a fat Minds Aglow and digging everyone down 30 cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even, I love uh, again, it. worst case scenario. Okay, I'm going to pay this for one, and then I'll put three into it. Yeah. Does anybody else want to add any? Because if they do, congratulations, you are now drawing at least one card per mana and it's up to everybody else's input on how much better value you're going to get. Yeah. Because they're drawing too. But if you need to, like you said, it's, it's the worst case scenario. It also is the, Oh no, I'm going to draw my win con here. It, it's the floor and the ceiling are very high <laughs> for right. this card. Right. I'm a big fan of it. And I like joint forces is a good mechanic because of that. Now joint forces does have, a potential flaw but it can be worked around and that flaw mike is the bystander effect you might Mm -hmm. know this one the bystander effect is usually used uh, in reference to something way more serious like somebody who needs medical attention or you need someone to call 911 because somebody's choking to death right and you shout at just people like people who are nearby somebody call 911 and nobody calls 911 that's because nobody has felt the personal responsibility that they themselves need to be the person to call 911. And to bring it back to the lighter side, nobody feels personally that they need to donate men to this. But if you look at somebody and say, hey, Mike, you've got three men up. You want to draw three cards? You can say, yeah, he might say no. But now he has to make the decision instead of just pocket vetoing it and acting like nothing ever happened. Mm -hmm. And that's one way that you can sort of defeat this. Well, I don't know if I want to go in for that. I mean, nobody else is. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Again, the reason that I like Join Forces as a mechanic is because worst case scenario, you're getting a discount on something because you're doing it for the entire table. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, so mine's a glow. An X draw spell. If it was just yeah. you drawing the cards, typically that's where we're looking into Stroke of Genius, Blue Sun Zenith, these yeah. cards that you're usually paying a minimum have. of four mana for one card. Right. Yeah. If I'm letting other people draw, but I'm getting more value out of it than I normally would, I, we have made a habit of talking about turning that into a strength instead of a detriment, and Join Forces is excellent at that. Well, Minds of Glow may be confusing to people because I've related um, Alliance of Arms. Mm-hmm. makes sense in a white token deck because sure. maybe you can take more advantage of white tokens. But what kind of deck can take better advantage of draw than any other deck? And the answer to that is that any deck can, but the specialty here is that you yourself don't actually need to pump in a lot of mana into this spell. And I recommend that you don't because 
number one, you're going to get more value out of it when you put in less. And number two, if you put in too much, you're going to be like, wow, you put in seven? I don't need to draw more than seven cards. I'm not putting in anything. So I'd put in zero, one, two, three, maybe. And then from there, encourage people to. And just like that, you've paid one mana and you're down a card, but everyone else paid the mana for you to draw cards. That's the ideal situation, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It's 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 going into an investment together. So how much benefit are we all going to give each other? At worst case scenario, all it does is it spices the game up. I like right. that. I dig it. So, Alex, let's talk about a mechanic that is very near and dear to my heart. Mm, and I knew, there weren't, I, I knew there weren't a lot of instances of it. But I didn't realize how few, and I'm very sad now. It's let's only talk, one cycle. Let's talk about parlay, because oh, you mean that one? Yeah. This oh, one yeah. Is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so here's here's my thing. This sounds like such a cool idea for a, for an ability. You want to read uh, Silvala here to give yeah. us an idea? Because because yeah, Silvala Explorer returned a uh, one generic green white. So it's a three-mana 2-4 Elf Scout with the ability of Parlay. You tap Silvala, and each player reveals the top card of his or her library. For each non-lion card revealed this way, add one green to your mana pool, and you gain one life. Then each player draws a card. To me, you can make this a monster, but you can also make one of the coolest group hug commanders Mm -hmm. in existence. This is classic group hug commander everybody gets to draw a card but you get slightly more benefit everybody benefits but oh you, you get more than slightly more. more of a benefit you can you can be generating I'm enough very, mana to cast yeah. an extra spell each turn yeah you're you're stopping chip damage from coming into you and you're ending up with the highest life total keep going My, i love it this <laughs> this card promises parlay to be one of the most interesting and cool symmetric ability words. And Mike, tell me what the other parlay cards are. So there's three. Okay. <laughs> and two of them have Sofala's are, are name Are any of them this cool? Well, well, no. So here's the thing. Parlay doesn't have a... It, it's, not, it's not a rules text kind of it's thing. It's an ability word. It's an ability word because you're doing something similar each time, but to a different effect. Uh, so the other one that's higher up here, you know, quote unquote, is Silvala's Charge. Four generic and a green for a sorcery with parlay that says each player reveals the top card of his or her library. For each non-land card revealed this way, you put a 3-3 elephant creature token onto the battlefield. Then each player draws a card. So... It could be a five mana, make four tokens, everybody draws a card. It could, but it's not. It's but an it's uncommon. Yeah. It's, you're going to make like two, maybe three on a good day, and then you're going to draw a card and donate a card to each player. This yeah. card's not good, but I like its spirit. Yep. It tried. I wish to, yeah. It tried. That's more than I can say for these other ones. Absolutely. Uh, we go to Silvala's Enforcer. Uh, this is a three generic and a green for a 2-2 two, two elf warrior. Uh, parlay when it enters the battlefield each player reveals the top card of his or her library for each non-land card revealed this way put a plus one plus one counter on silvala's enforcer then each player draws a card great Ooh. so this is a four mana uh maybe becomes a four four or five five and everybody draws a card yeah mike i'm falling asleep these are garbage yep but silvala silvala has a great ability on her and if you're looking for a fun and powerful green white group hug commander she's your girl I, I have a Silvala deck and I love I know, it. Yeah. It's so fun and it's so fun. It's so powerful. Like I'm not I totally get the there are commanders when they hit the table, everybody goes, Ugh, and gets yeah, concerned. Like the other Silvala. Yeah, like the other Silvala. This Silvala one is a step down. It's not as yeah. scary, but it could still be really damn scary. Yeah, and you, I totally get it. <laughs> a friend of mine has a very powerful Savala Explorer deck um, that, wow, you'd think that a deck that makes other players draw cards that isn't Nekusar mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to be that powerful. Uh, if you just untap her enough times, you can just generate an arbitrary oh, yeah. mana. You, you, you get one mana yeah. enchantments to untap something on your yeah. on your turn. You, you can get a Staff of Domination, and if 
you've got a mana doubler. If you've got something, you can... I mean, even on the worst-case scenario, you play Silvala on curve on turn three. Next turn, you play a land. You're easily playing a seven-mana spell on turn four of the game. That's gross. That's what wins games. And I I dig it. I, I wish Parlay existed more. The idea of when you blank... Everybody reveals the top card of their library. Something happens, then everybody draws a card. That seems really cool to me, and it's a shame that it's not in more cards. Uh, well, Mike, Alex, let's, uh, take me let's, somewhere else. I'm sad. Let's not just talk about it. Let's uh, let's take advantage of it here. Uh, in a recent episode, talked about Commander Spellbook. Let's pull mm-hmm. up a combo from Savala Explorer Returned. She mm-hmm. combos with Mind Over Matter. Mind oh, Over damn. Matter is a very powerful card. <laughs> Uh, wait for this to pull up here. Mind, Mind Over Matter is an enchantment for two blue, 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 blue with discard a card, tap or untap target artifact, creature, or land. Mm-hmm. Um, so with her and Mind Over Matter, you win the game. Yeah. Yeah. Immediately. Um, so if you want to buy this combo, it's really expensive, but you can buy it. It's $77 right now. You can go to Commander Spellbook. Um, so <laughs> that's, that's that's just that's one because, of many different combos. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, and that's because Silvala is a 2 or $3 card, and Mind, and Mind Over Matter is like a more. $60 card. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's Parlay. Let's move on. Yep. Uh, let's talk about... Right now, we're, we're leaning into things like Joint Forces, where everybody's deciding how much they want to put in demonstrate where you're the one demonstrate convoke parlay all these things are you're deciding what you're doing right let's give Mm. everybody the illusion of choice and talk about will of the council some of these are nuts and i know for a fact that there's a couple of these cards that if you're playing in a single player format so it's just one v one Some of them can be real messed up. But Will of the Council is a really cool political aspect to be Mm -hmm. able to work with the table and sometimes get way more value than you should. Tell me about Will of the Council. Absolutely, Mike. So my number one pick for Will of the Council, of course, Council's Judgment. One white white for a sorcery. Starting with you, each player votes for a non-land permanent you don't control. Each exile each permanent with the most votes or tied for the most votes. So there is a lot going on here in a very small amount of text. Everyone is going to vote, including you, on a permanent that you don't control. So you cannot get screwed by this no matter what. You'll pick something an opponent controls. And here's the real meat of it, Mike. Yes. If people don't agree and it ends up being a deadlock, then two things can get removed. Oh, yeah. And the other great thing about this, Mike, is that this doesn't target or do anything that would allow someone to protect their permanent from this. It doesn't matter if it has Shroud. It doesn't matter if it has Hexproof yep. or anything like that doesn't matter if it has protection from a player. That's why this is a legacy staple, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, this goes right through True Name Nemesis. It goes right through anything because it just says exile that permanent. And that permanent is going to get exiled and there's nothing that they can do. It's a three mana exile something and potentially more. Potentially which is, more. Which is gross. And yeah, Mike said in 1v1 um, in Legacy... Your opponent has to pick what you pick. If they don't, yep. they're just exiling another thing. And yeah, it, wow. This card is <laughs> three mana to remove one thing. You think like, oh, well, that's not very good. This is this is the real wrath I got here. This is yeah. one thing is gone, gone, gone. It's gone. Yeah. It's, it's not a until this enchantment leaves the battlefield. It's not a, um, it's not a target ability. It's Vote on something to no longer be here. Now, Alex, I have a game theory question for you. Sure. You cast Council's Judgment. What are you looking to target as your vote? Are you looking for the scariest thing? 
That really depends, Mike, because you're not just playing by yourself. You're playing with other people and none of them rational actors. You're not a rational actor because Commander is, as we talked about, Magic is the most complicated game that has ever been created. And doing this with like any kind of perfection would just be silly. You, it, it can't really be calculated. But the thing that you want to make sure that people understand is exactly how the spell works. Mm-hmm. And because of that, really the only strategy that can be made is if you are on the receiving end, you want to make sure that you vote for whatever has the most votes, or if it's something that you control, make sure you vote for the thing that you control. Because if you vote for anything else, it's just going to double up, right? And you're only going to get hosed. Oh, Alex. What's up? I have I have thoughts for you. Do you? My favorite thing to do with Council's Judgment is to vote for what I think is the second scariest thing on the table. Mm-hmm. Because that player, if they are not the last pick, if it's not the person who just went before me, it is very unlikely that they are going to pick that thing. The amount of times that I've gotten will of uh, that I've gotten Council's Judgment to remove two things instead of one is silly. Because I don't pick the scariest thing. Everybody else will pick the scariest thing, except for the one person that is holding on to that thing. So if I pick something else, they have a target. And this, if you play this right, this is a three mana exile two things. Mm-hmm. And it is one of my favorite spells in Magic because yeah, of that. Yeah, I love this spell. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about another Will of the Council card because... This is fun because get rid of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Let's talk about one where you either get stuff or everything goes away. (laughs) Can we talk about Corrosive Portal? Because it's it's so silly. Uh, Four generic for an artifact with Will of the Council at the beginning of your upkeep. So this is repeatable. Starting with you, each player votes for Carnage or Homage. Also, love that. <laughs> Vote for Carnage <laughs> or Homage. If Carnage gets more votes, sacrifice Coercive Portal and destroy all non-land permanents. If Homage gets more votes or the vote is tied, draw a card. So fun. So much fun. Worst, yeah, okay, great. Uh, worst case scenario, I'm going to blow up the board. Yeah. Unless it's the best case scenario. It's, I love cards like this. Or it's, hey, I'm going to put this out here, and, you know, we'll figure out what happens next turn. (laughs) Yeah, this is an extremely solid card. It's a four-mana effect. And typically people are like, oh, well, it's a four-mana artifact that just sits on the board and doesn't even do anything the turn you play it. It's like, okay, you are playing a card that can draw a card every turn in colors that can't Mm -hmm. and can blow up the board every turn in colors that can't. Mm -hmm. And... This is like a political fantasy. Oh, this right? is a political you, rattlesnake fantasy. Yeah. This is, it's like Nev's disc, but everybody has their own detonator. Yes. It's, <laughs> what a fun and interesting card. Conspiracy yep. was such a great set. They should do a third one. Yeah, I'm down for that. It's it's basically, you give everybody keys to the nuclear launch sequence, and you yeah. just need three of them to turn. Just need a majority vote. <laughs> Oh, man. These cards are so cool. I, I Do more of this stuff, please, Wizards. Hey, Wizards, how are you doing? It's your boy, Mike. Give me, give me some more of these mechanics. Now, Mike, there's another mechanic that is very similar to Will the Council. Okay. And that's called Council's Dilemma. Both of these are voting oh, yeah, mechanics, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they work in almost the same way. But the difference is we went over some very nice Will the Council cards this Council's Dilemma card, everyone knows about, and everyone will recognize it, expropriate seven blue mm. blue for a sorcery. Starting with you, each player votes for time or money. For each time vote, take an extra turn. For each money vote, choose a permanent owned by that voter and gain control of it, and then exile expropriate. Mike, this is the classic, classic nine mana completely screw and or win the game in blue. This This is a complete game ending spell and the funniest part about it is that it doesn't have to be that way but everybody is so petrified of losing their best thing that they'll just give somebody four extra turns i just okay 
we'll get into this with our next uh with our our final mechanic to talk about today but mm-hmm. if if you're ever given the option of hey i get this and you get this too or i can do something to take something away from you or something better the answer is always what's going to be the thing that doesn't immediately lose us the game always right there is but it's my there stuff. Is, I don't want it to right. go away. There We're going to lose. Specific <laughs> exceptions. There are specific exceptions. If you control a permanent that will instantly cause them to win the game, yes. not just, oh, I really like that permanent or, oh, this permanent's strong and they might use it to hit me. I'm right. talking about if they have this exquisite blood and you have sanguine bond and they resolve expropriate, don't sure. give them sanguine bond. But that's, that's like the only situation where that's yes. important. Every other time you give them what they want to take. If, and Mike, we've talked about this before. They might not even take your best thing. They might yeah. take the best thing for them. Right. If, if they have part two of the combo, fine. Yeah. Other than that, no. Never. <laughs> just never give it. someone an extra turn unless you are running an Emrakul and your deck is built to control the extra turn. Sure. <laughs> Mike, let's move on to what is possibly my favorite mechanic in the game. Yes. Tempting Offer. Oh my god, Mike, do I love Tempting Offer. How about I Tempt bet. with Discovery? Hmm? Just going right into it. Let's go. Just attacking a three and a green sorcery. Search your library for a land card and put it onto the battlefield. Each opponent may search their library for a land card and put it onto the battlefield. For each opponent who does, search your library for a land card and put it onto the battlefield. This is how Tempting Offer works. I'm going to do something. Would you like to do it? If you do, I do it again. So you can get all of the best lands right out of your deck. Gaius Cradle, Maze of Ith, all the best ones. Anything you want. And Mike, the best part is that People just want lands, so they're going to give them to you. At least how most many, of the time. How many times have you played Tempt with Discovery and not gotten two lands out of it? And not gotten two lands out of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, probably like once. Okay. So yeah. if this is a People four will give mana... You the lands. Oh, yeah. It's a yeah. four... And, and again, they shouldn't. I'm sorry. They shouldn't. I get it. If somebody but, resolves but a Tempt with Discovery to. against me, I will always give them the land. Oh, no, I, I will, too. I'm saying competitive theory on it. No, you oh, screw it. competitive theory. But it's so theory. much what, fun. What podcast so is this, Mike? Fun. What podcast uh, are we on right now? I know, I know. I The amount of times that I've I've done Tempt with Discovery and just played it and been like, I'm going to go get a land. Do you want to go get a land? I'll get another land. Okay. And so okay, when I was talking about... When I was talking about joint forces, people confuse it with tempting offer because yeah. they're kind of similar. And the result of that is that you'll frequently get a question when you're running joint forces. The question is, what's the catch? Right. Because tempting offer does have a catch. You get more stuff. But joint forces is, is a much more, uh, what would you say, egalitarian style. But okay. that's not really that's not really the way that I like to play my decks. I like to play my decks giving stuff away, and then I get even more. That's sure. my favorite way to play. Mike, let's talk about another one. Yeah, I actually want to. I want to run down attempt with glory because this one is really silly to me. Um, that's well, the one talk- we talked about uh, the other episode. Yeah, it's just I, and that's why I want to hit it again because it's just such a silly card. <laughs> Five generic and a white for a sorcery tempting offer. Put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. Each opponent may put a plus one plus one counter on each creature they control. For each opponent who does, put a plus one plus one counter on each creature you control. Yeah. You want to talk about, hey, if you say yes, I'll attack this person. Just yeah. give me more counters. Just more, please. Anyone Everybody. who says no is on the list to be attacked. Oh, for sure. And it's just <laughs> such a silly card. It's just like, yeah. hey, let's see how big and swole we can make all of the creatures. This one Who's is silly. In? But Mike, let's talk about... I might like this one even more than Tempt with Discovery because uh, Tempt yeah. with Discovery is fun. It's very fun. I like it. Why, why do you think I decided to, to go to Tempt with Glory? I had to leave you with this you, one. You got to leave me with this one. Feel. Tempt with Vengeance. Mike, I've probably won 20 games with this card. X and red. Sorcery. Tempting offer. Create X, 1-1, one, one, red. Elemental creature tokens with haste. Each opponent may create X one one elemental creature tokens with haste, and for each opponent who does, blah blah blah, you know how it goes. So I'm going to make ten. 
Somebody else wants 10. No, I'm making 20. Someone else wants 10. I'm making 30. Someone else wants 10. I'm making 40. Mike, it is so much fun to give away all of these creatures. Yep. And then people realize that I also have Triumph of the Hordes in my hand. Yep. It doesn't matter that you, <laughs> you, by, by defending yourself with the tent, like, well, I'm not going to leave myself open. By making yourself less vulnerable, you're ensuring your defeat. And well, so this is a logical trap, right? My people fall oh, for, sure. for this one, and I love it. Well, and then the other part of it is, what was the card that you played that made all the rats when we were playing uh, on stream not too long ago? Yeah, uh, so that one, Mike, would be Plague of Vermin, which right. is six and a black for a sorcery. Starting with you, each player may pay any amount of life. Repeat this process until no player pays life, and then each player puts a 1-1 black rat creature token onto the battlefield for each one life they paid this way. So, so here's the thing with yeah. that. It gets into an arms race because yes. you can't be the person that doesn't have enough. Are you going to be the person who doesn't take the creatures? Now you have no blockers. With Tempt with Vengeance, if you play Tempt with Vengeance and you do it for five, mm -hmm. nothing crazy. You just give yourself five. Yeah. You spend six men on uh, on this. Yeah. Well, the next person, if they don't want to get hit by these five tokens, or if they don't want to be left without these five tokens, or anything along those lines, then they're going to pay a little bit into it. Mm -hmm. And the more that people pay into it as it goes along, the more incentivized people have to be to jump in as well. Because, yeah, Alex yeah. is going to end up getting more, but if I have none, I might be dead. Yeah. And this is that, this, again illusion of choice that goes with tempting right, that's offer the there really is no right answer for this no. right you can refuse to take it but then you're dead but if you take it you're definitely dead yeah it, it, it's almost a okay we all have to agree to this decide that the person who cast it is the arch enemy and figure out how to deal with them before it comes back around on their turn also they played a card that gives all of these creatures haste so there's a decent chance we're all dead now right great that's that's the one true weakness of a group hug or political deck right is if the entire table is not having it if your politics have failed or if you're just in the wrong pod maybe you're a really spiky pod that doesn't like table talk sure uh then then group hug and politics can fall flat on its face and when that happens it's happening specifically because the entire rest of the table has collectively decided not to participate in your fun good time games <laughs> That's really bad. So we might need to have an episode about how to avoid that. Maybe well, we already have. Who knows? Well, here's the problem, though. Nine times out of ten, you're absolutely right. But that requires two different things. One, for everybody to decide that the best chance for them to individually win the game is to make you lose the game while right. you're also trying to offer resources. More times than not, I can kind of see that with some of the group hug cards that we'd like to lean into. But here's the real issue. Tempt with Vengeance, worst case scenario... You're going to get as many tokens as you pay into it minus one mana. So it's, it, oh no, yeah. this black this backfired on me. I only made five tokens for six mana. That's not a bad Whoops. return. So the They're idea... They're not just five tokens. They're not just featureless bodies. They have haste. Yeah. This is, you can end the game with this spell on the same turn that you cast it. At peek behind the curtain, Tempt with Vengeance, there was a good chance that it was going to be the uh, background art for our flyer for when we do advertisements for our stream games. And I was like, nah, it's just a little too destructive for me. It's kind of, it's a reprint. It's 10 bucks. Hasn't been reprinted ever. It's so good. It's a yeah. great card and it's a great mechanic. So these are the mechanics that we like to go to when we have an opportunity. And unfortunately, with the exception of Convoke, there's they're, they're not especially widespread. Yeah. And Convoke is a lot of representation, but none of oh, the other sure. ones really at all. No. If, and if they have one cycle, you're lucky. And I think part of that is because the other ones do rely on having extra players. Uh, it's, it's not nearly as good of a card unless you're talking about a multiplayer format. And all right, multiplayer hasn't been as much of a let's say it hasn't gotten as much of a spotlight over magic's entire history as it as it's deserved especially recently 
But these are really cool mechanics, and I really hope that there's something that they continue to build off of. Demonstrate coming on Strixhaven is really nice because it's it seems like maybe they are leaning that way or they could be leaning that way at least um but yeah they're really cool cards they're really cool mechanics and we're gonna come back after a quick break and talk about a couple more really cool cards and also touch on the way that some mechanics might work and might not work and it's a real weird rules territory that we're gonna get into in just a bit we'll be right back all right, we're back, and we are back with... Ooh, can I see that? And, Alex, you are bringing one of the uh, higher CMC beefy boys that I have uh, talked with you about in really kind of any format in a while. Why don't you tell me about your card? All right. So, Mike, you're right. This creature that I'm going to talk about is only in 230 decks, but it has one of the highest CMCs, one of the highest mana values, excuse me, of any card in the game. It's not the highest, but it's way up there. It and is. that's a Toxathon Worm for 10 green, 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 white, white, 15 mana value for a creature worm with Convoke, and it's a 914 with Trample. Now, you might be asking, like, why am I mentioning this? We already have Impervious Great Worm for 7 triple green. It has Convoke. It has Indestructible. It's a 16-16. That's true, but that card doesn't have Trample, which means it can be blocked by a 1-1, and you mm -hmm. don't want that to happen. This is a 9-14 that you can cast for, if you have 15 creatures, you cast it for 0. If you have fewer than 15, then just cast it for that amount. And it's a 9-14 with Trample. So... There are many situations where a token deck might want to have a big, beefy creature around. It's not sure. necessarily the win con. It's not necessarily how the deck works, but it can be useful for certain circumstances. And this is a great option because this is going to enter and immediately be a threat. And you probably didn't have to spend any mana to cast it. So now you can also cast another thing like, I don't know, how about a, uh, what do you call it? How about an overrun effect? Oh, sure. You could cast both this and an overrun effect in the same turn and then either attack with your creatures or you already tap down your creatures. You can do a lot of things when you have a big, beefy creature that didn't cost you very much mana. And yeah, Impervious Great Worm has Indestructible. It's much bigger. But unless you're specifically prepared to outfit it, it's never going to go in for big damage, Mike, because it doesn't have Trample. So the math on this is kind of weird, which is fun. But you were talking about, oh, run an overrun effect, or there's tokens, sometimes they really do want to have a bigger creature out there. Yeah, because there's lots of things that care about the highest power of what you have on board and affecting are in all green. of the creatures. Right? Yep. And this is a really good way of getting out something like that, that has trample, that has the ability to get in for damage on its own. I dig this card. And it's it's not an expensive card either. You're you're talking about like about a dollar for a yeah. card that you might be able to play for free if you're in tokens. Which, heck yeah, that's that's pretty good value. Yeah, you. it's definitely an interesting one, and uh, I like the flavor of this. Selesnya's mm -hmm. big creature. The flavor text says the trainer awoke to begin the journey from the worm's tail to its head. The sun was setting when she arrived, um, <laughs> and you can see in the art this thing is absolutely enormous. Um, a Toxathon means indigenous, so this worm was here before us. Right. Yeah, you know, it's not very exciting, but I think that this is definitely an option for green-white token decks. It's, it's, it is an option that doesn't have a huge downside. Like, the downside for it is, oh man, it's a 15-mana card. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you're also never going to pay 15-mana for it. Yeah, exactly. So stop looking at it like that. I dig it. What do you um, got, Mike? I want to talk about an artifact because I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to diversify my portfolio a little bit. I want to mm. try and get into more, you know, who can use cards when we're talking about the segment. So mm -hmm. artifacts, everybody can use them. Let's talk about umbilicus. This is a four generic mana for an artifact that says during each player's upkeep, that player pays two life or returns a permanent. He or she controls to its owner uh, to their owner's hand. I love the idea of having just as many 
I love blink decks, but I like the idea of being able to put stuff back in my hand and give other people the ability to put stuff back in their hand and just to re-trigger the big explosive splashy effects as much as possible and be able to do it pretty easily. I love cards that give people the opportunity to say, oh, that's a cool card, I'll be able to use that, and the only people that would want to get rid of them are the people that can't benefit for it. So if they destroy that, well, congratulations. That person just made several enemies instead of just making an enemy of you. The idea of blinking things, technically not. But the idea of putting stuff back in my hand on my upkeep, playing it again for its ETB, I like that. And that is absolutely something I'm willing to share with the other people at the table as long as they choose not to abuse it. And if they choose to abuse it, well... That's where we got to talk about it, and then we're going to have to reevaluate. This is a four-mana artifact, and it's in 420 decks. I just dig it. You know, Mike, I hadn't heard of Umbilicus, but I had heard of a similar card called Blood Clock. Yep. Which is a four-mana artifact at the beginning of each player's upkeep. That player returns a permanent they control to its owner's hand unless they pay two life. Um, so we have a functionally identical card that's in roughly the same number of decks, and if you want to run one, you probably want to run both. Yep. I was debating which one I was going to pick. <laughs> I knew Blood Clock. I didn't know Umbilicus. I didn't know they were twinsies. Yep. Yeah. They're, it's, it's, I just like the idea of, I'm going to put this out here. And it's something that everybody should have the opportunity to get some benefit off of. And if you do, great. But if you blow it up, you're just going to make other people mad. And that is absolutely a play style that I like to sit at with the ta- with the people I'm playing at the table. I want to say, hey, let's all have fun with this thing. And if we don't, well, then that person's a jerk. And we should probably get them back for it. And this is just another one of those cards. It and Blood Clock, again, both in less than 500 decks of all decks on EDH rack. Huh, I kind of dig it. Yeah, Mike, it's uh, it's definitely good. I've considered it for my Emrakul deck because I could bounce oh, sure. Emrakul to my hand every turn or bounce mm-hmm. an artifact. And there are lots of mana rocks that you bounce them and play them again and you net mana off of it like Sol Ring. Yeah. Um, so that's it's always a fun option. Well, I'm, I'm hey, that, your Emrakul deck is a very good deck. So the fact that you've even considered it means I picked a decent card. You sure did, Mike. Hey, we did it. Uh, speaking of picking cards and knowing how they work and mm. trying to make them fit into things... Alex, we got a question for our um, judge in our judge's corner segment. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and let the honorable judge, Alex, uh, kind of go over the curtailed features of this question. Right. Because I've actually lost my mind trying to understand what the question is and why we can't technically answer it yet. Okay. So this question comes to us from Chris G. Thank you very much for sending this in. It says, salutations, Alex. I had an empty Juve rules question you might be able to help me with. Raynar had a recent errata, and I'm wondering how it interacts with Rest in Peace. If I control Rest in Peace and Raynar, if I sack an Evolving Wilds, will the replacement effect be an ability I control and generate a spirit, or replacement effects aren't abilities? Thank you for the time you and Mike put into your podcast. Oh my gosh, I love you. I'm also a lover of symmetrical effects and group hug. Listening to the show is always a treat, and I love the perspective you bring. Thank you for being so excellent, Chris G. Chris, thank you so much for sending this in. Thank you, Chris. Just what kind words. I love that we even have one fan. That just warms my heart. Um, And this is a great question, Chris. I'm glad you sent it in because (laughs) there's a funny story about this. Um, Yeah, it it felt weird because you sent this to me. As far as like, hey, let's, uh, I saw it and I said, okay, cool. So what's the answer? And you just went, about that, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) This is a really interesting question. Okay. So let's start by reading Raynar as it was printed. And then I'm going to read the Oracle text and then we'll briefly discuss the difference between them. And then I'll tell you why this was a great question uh, and the answer is not going to be very satisfying. Right out of the Ever Watchful uh, is two white blue for a legendary creature, Spirit Warrior, with flying and vigilance. The first card you foretell each turn costs zero to foretell. And whenever you exile one or more cards from your hand and or permanents from the battlefield, 
create a 1-1 white spirit creature token with flying. It's a 2-3. Now, that's what's printed on the card. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Here's the Oracle text. I'm only going to read the relevant change. Whenever a spell or ability you control exiles one or more cards from your hand and or permanents from the battlefield. Okay. So what's the difference between these two things? Well, whenever you exile versus whenever a spell or ability you control exile, here's the thing, Mike. I would love to get into the weeds with you on this. I would love to say, well, it would work this way with Rest in Peace and work sure. this way with Fortel. Here's the problem. With this errata, it doesn't work with Fortel. And that's how I know that we're not ready to answer this question. <laughs> and I'll go ahead and quote the rules manager, uh, Jess Dunks, here. Yep. Who, shout out to Jess Dunks. Doing a great job. So just got to stick together. Dunk a tog. Uh, the wording was updated in a way that makes that unclear. Expect an update soon. That was from April 22nd, and we're recording this on April 29th. So I don't think it's going to, uh, we're going to get an answer by the time this episode comes out. Probably not. Maybe by the time a future episode comes out, we will have an answer, and then uh, we'll go ahead and do a judges segment on that. But suffice to say, the way that it's written right now, uh, <laughs> The definition of exile or the definition of foretell needs to be updated in the rules text because the way that this is written right now, and this, be very careful, the official judge recommendation from Judge Alex is do not use the oracle text because they made a boo-boo, they put in the new oracle text, but they weren't ready with the rules yet. So if you have this card, play it from what's written on the card. This is the only exception to the oracle text rule. However... If you were to play it with the Oracle text, which I do not recommend, technically this would not work with Fortel, Mike. Mm -hmm. The first card you foretell each turn costs zero to foretell. Whenever a spell or ability you control exiles one or more cards from your hand and or permanent from the battlefield. Mike, foretell is not a spell or ability. Yep. When you foretell a card, you take a special action and exile that card. A special action is not a spell and it's not an ability. And strictly speaking, by that definition, which you shouldn't follow, that means that Reynard does not trigger when you foretell a card. Now, since that is completely bananas and there's no way they intended for that to be the case, <laughs> that's why I'm telling you for right now, until you hear from me or, or a much more informed judge like Jess Dunks, ignore the Oracle text just for now. Read what's on the card because right now it's all screwy. They clearly had some kind of mix-up with the errata and with the official rules text because there was a big errata change for several cards. Uh, when Strixhaven came out, this was one of them, and mm -hmm. all the other cards got their rules text update. This one didn't. So they're probably drafting like an emergency rules update or something like that that's going to change the way that either Foretell or Exile works. And once that happens, I will have a much more satisfying answer for you and for Chris G, and uh, we'll address it at that time, Mike. You hear that, Chris? Your answer is in the mail, TBD. probably. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say you stumped me, but just for fun, you stumped me. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I, I mean, well, I mean, you, wizards you, stumped themselves. You stumped the rules manager. Yeah. So, <laughs> and and that's that's kind of why I was excited to talk about this because the people who designed the game, who set up the game, who yeah. eroded the cards, make to set it up. Yeah. Hey, guess what? It's a complicated game. It, it is. It, sometimes, you know, it happens. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, but thank you for walking us through it and letting of us course. know that, hey, um, sometimes, I don't know, we'll figure it out soon. <laughs> yeah. Yep. For now, the answer is it works the way it did before, but uh, that may change in the future. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed that, everyone. Thanks for listening. Um, Alex, if people have questions about, you know, things that haven't been resolved yet or just want to talk to you for whatever reason where can they find you on socials absolutely mike you can get me on twitter at lapper medic l-a-p-p-e-r medic uh, you can either add me or dm me as chris did or you can uh, email me in private at alex at edhrec.com and uh, mike where can they find our podcast so they can find our podcast on several different places actually and we're gonna include several more of them in the show notes just because i Hey, I don't know what your favorite place of listening to us is, but search for us as Social Contract Podcast EDH uh, on Spotify, on iTunes, on Anchor, on a thousand different things. Um, if you want to go ahead and support us, you can 
buy cards the same way that you normally would. Uh, you buy the cards we talked about, dex boxes, sleeves, anything along those lines. If you go to bit.ly slash EDH underscore social, uh, we'll also have a link in the show notes, you'll buy the same things that you were going to regardless, but you'll also be able to support us in doing so. If you want to have more conversations with us, if you want to get more involved with the podcast, we have a Discord now, a link that will also be posted in the Yay. show. There's going to be a lot of links, buddy. Um, so there, there's going to be several make a areas. Link tree. Yeah, well, don't worry. There's already work on that. Um, but if you if you want to, you know, offer some suggestions for cards that you play that you don't think anybody yeah, come else come chat does, with us. Come chat with us. It, literally, lonely. have a judge on standby. It's pretty cool. I only have Mike Let to talk to. You. He's very boring. Yeah, I know. I, I do the same thing. Alex, how does this work? It works yeah. like this, Mike. Are you sure? Yes, Mike. Mike, I told you the rules manager got drunk. I no, know. Geez, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so with all that said, the also one of the easiest ways to find us, follow us on Twitter at EDH underscore social or email us at the social contract EDH at gmail.com. It's been fantastic talking with you, Alex. It's been fantastic talking to all of you. And we'll talk to you next week. Always a pleasure, Mike. <laughs>